aren't you thankful that he's never lost a battle? He's never lost a battle. Some of you, it was a fight to get up this morning, but you're here, so you're winning. Some of you, it was a fight to even walk in the door, but you're here, so you're winning because he has never lost a battle. And because he's never lost, you're never lost. Because he's never lost, you are never lost. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, were, we ask that you remind us today that you have never lost a battle and that we have never lost a battle because we are aligned with you, Father. We thank you for everything you do. We thank you for blessing us. We thank you for keeping us, Father. Remind us today that you've never lost. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look at your neighbor before you sit down and say he's never lost. He has never lost a battle. Come on, y'all. My name is Drew, and I have the honor of serving on the pastoral staff here at Transformation Church. And uh, I am just, I wanted to do one thing before we get too far into this word today. And I want to ask all of the people, all of the serve team members that have been serving for the last four months in this crazy time that we're in, and you may have worked Easter drive through Mother's Day, drive through Serve Day, or you're here on the weekend, I, I want to ask y'all to stand. All of our serve team members. We just want to honor y'all right now. want to honor y'all. Thank y'all for all that you do. Thank y'all so much. This is a crazy time, and you're right here, in the, right here with us in this. So I uh, also want to shout out our online fam. What's up, TC fam online? What's happening, y'all? How y'all doing? Y'all type, what's up, Drew, in the chat box? What's happening, y'all? How y'all doing? want to also th say thank you for... Last week, we had a serve day last week, and your generosity enabled us to go out to places like Pilot and pump people's gas and pay for their gas and pray for them and go to laundromats and wash people's clothes or, or pay for their clothes to be washed. We didn't wash people's clothes. We're not, we're not doing that much yet. Um, but pay for them to wash their clothes. We changed uh, oil for single mothers and for military wives. We cleaned up yards, and this is all because of your generosity that we were able to do that this week, so give yourselves a hand. Big serve day, come on. All right, Pastor Jamie asked me to bring the word this morning, and I thought I was going to go a different direction because I wanted to talk about the Good Samaritan, and I thought I was going there, but God rerouted me in my story and wanted me to talk about another Samaritan, so we're going to talk about the woman at the well. Y'all know the story of the woman at the well? It has blessed me so much, and I wanted to share it with y'all today, so... I'm going to give you a little context to the story. We're going to go to John 4. That's what we're going to be reading out of today. So if you got your, your device with you, you can go to John 4 with me. Anybody got a, got a paper Bible, old school paper Bible, OG Bible? That's what I'm talking about, OG Bible. So you got to have your Bible. You can write stuff in every now and then. Come on, somebody. All right, John 4 is the story of the Good Samaritan. Let me tell you a little bit about the Good Samaritan. I'm not the Good Samaritan. I'm sorry, the woman at the well. See, God is rerouting me right now. Um, a little bit of a little context to this story. This is the longest recorded conversation between Jesus and anyone in the Bible. Longest recorded conversation. That's going to that's gonna tell us something about how important this conversation was. And let me give you a little bit about the Samaritans. The Samaritans were a despised people by the Jews. They had married interracially. They, they were Jews that had married interracially, and now they were despised by the full-bred Jews. The Jews hated them. It was so bad that if a Samaritan walked down the street and was coming one direction and their shadow passed over you as a Jew, you were considered dirty or defiled. It was that crazy. So the Jews were, the Jews were a little racist. And, but the Samaritans were also a little racist too because 
There's, if you flip back in your, in your Bible to Luke chapter 9, verse 50, Jesus was in a Samaritan village, and the Samaritan village didn't accept Jesus for who he was. So that was crazy. It was so bad that the sons of thunder, James and John, two of the disciples, they asked Jesus, can we call fire down on this Samaritan village? It was that real. It was that, but, of course, Jesus said no, of course, because and, and, he's a wonderful Savior, so he said no in that, in that moment. But that's, I want to kind of set the story of just the, this, this division that was going on between the Jews and Samaritans. That's why this story is so crazy, and Jesus is going through Samaria, and there's a map on the screen for you so you could see so Jesus, when he goes to, when he's going through Samaria, see, if you look around, see that, that, um, the dotted line around the edge of Samaria on both sides? On the, to the right side, of your face facing the screen, to the right side, there's that dotted line. That is where the Jews usually traveled to go around Samaria. It was that serious. They would go all the way around, go out of their way. But that green line is where Jesus went when he went through Samaria because Jesus goes right through the heart of the issue. So Jesus could have gone around, but he said, no, I'm going straight through Samaria because he had a divine appointment. So let's jump into the word. John 4, going to read about 26 verses right here, so I want to cover the whole story. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Noontime, that's key. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone away into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So Jesus right here at this moment, he's talking about that salvation moment, that fresh start moment we have at the end of every service. Jesus is talking about eternity. But the, but the lady right there, she's not seeing that. She's still stuck in the physical. So she says, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again. See, he's trying to communicate a spiritual thing to her. She's still stuck in the physical. She says, I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here and get water. Jesus switches it up on her. He, he asks her this question. He says, go and get your husband. Kind of a plot twist right there. Where did that come from, Jesus? What are you talking about? Says, go and get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. And she does something to Jesus. She tries to shift gears on him, and she tries to point out other things. They, and isn't that what we do when someone highlights something that's going on in our life? We try to point to somebody else. So that's what she does right in that moment. And she says, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship while we Jews know all about him for salvation comes to the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, 
So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. It's so interesting right there in that moment that she's so blinded to her own stuff in her head. She's talking to Jesus right then. She said, I know Messiah is coming. I'm like, if, if I'm Jesus, I'm like, man, this woman just don't get it. All right. So then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. And listen to how his disciples reacted. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? The woman left the water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. My sermon title for today is Rerouted. Rerouted. Father, I pray right now that hearts, minds, and ears would be open to your word that you have blessed me with. Help your words flow through me, Lord God. All of you, none of me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So July of last year, me and my wife took this trip to California. We went to this marriage retreat, and it was way up in the mountains of California, and it was probably, it was 17 miles from the nearest road, so no cell phone service, no anything, and we're way up in the mountains of California. We were there about four days, and on the fourth day, we had this uh, dinner for all the couples that were there. It was the last day we were going to be there. And we had this dinner for all the couples, and we're sitting there talking, and one of the guys said, hey, you know the Redwood Forest is, is pretty close to here. And I'm one of those kids that was from 10 years old. I'm like, I want to see these gigantic trees. I want to go see these big redwood trees. And they're saying it's 200 miles from here. And now at this time, it's about 9 o'clock at night. It's coming up on 9 o'clock at night. And I'm like, I want to go to the redwood forest. So we had, we had built another day into our schedule, so we'd have an extra day. We were going to drive back to San Francisco, spend a day in San Francisco, and then fly out, fly back to Knoxville. So that was the plan. I said, you know what, let's go to the Redwood Forest. We have an extra day built in. But I had this crazy idea that I didn't let my wife know about. I said, we're going to drive there tonight. And it's 9 o'clock, and I'm thinking it's 200 miles. Redwood Forest is going to be highways all the way there. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be easy, easy drive, no problem. We'll get there in a couple hours. We'll stay at a hotel because they've got to have hotels all around the Redwood Forest because it's a pretty popular place on this planet. I'm like, it's got to be. We'll, we'll be fine. So we're going we're gonna to leave tonight. And there was this other couple that were driving down the mountain because they were driving back to Oregon because their plane flew out early in the morning, and they were leaving from an Oregon airport. So I'm like, we're going to be a, a good couple. We'll follow them down the mountain because no cell phone s service. It's, by this time, it's about 1030 at night. I've thrown all the stuff in the suitcase. Bree's like, what are you doing? I'm like, we're leaving tonight. She's like, why are we leaving tonight? I said, because I think we're going to leave tonight. We're going to drive out there. We're going to be fine. So thankfully, we're, we're going to drive out. And thankfully, I had rented a, a nicer rental car because that's when I drive nice cars when I rent rental cars. That's what we do, right? So I had rented a new Cadillac DTS, and it had the top-of-the-line GPS system in it. Thank the Lord, because that's going to come into play in this story. So we're driving down the mountain, get to the bottom, a couple goes left, we go right, and we're just driving along, and we're following the GPS, and it takes us into this town. That It's this weird, creepy, like, Netflix documentary-style town, you know. And there's, and the, we're, it takes us down Main Street, and I'm like, why are we going down Main Street? This is weird. We're not going towards the towards the Redwoods. I don't know what we're doing. I'm trying to follow the GPS, and we're going out, and the town gets creepily uh, more quiet and more quiet. And the lights that were on Main Street, they kind of start to flicker, and they're going out. And I'm like, you can't make this up. This is scary. So I come to this, and the town, Main Street kind of just ends, and there's a road that goes straight up into the woods, and it says, no amenities for 64 miles. And I'm like, man, that's 1130 at night. I, I used to be crazy, but I'm not that crazy anymore. 
let's turn around. So the GPS starts rerouting us and rerouting, and it takes us through a national forest in the, hill, in the mountains of Colorado, and it is the most terrifying ride we've ever taken. My wife, I jokingly say, you know narcolepsy people that just fall asleep? I jokingly say my wife has carcolepsy because every time she gets in the car, she's out. Well, this night was so terrifying, she never slept, not even once. So we're driving through the mountains, and you can't see anything. I counted 25 deer on this trip. There were seven cars the entire night. Six hours of driving. I thought it was going to take two hours. And we're driving through the mountains 30 miles an hour is as fast as we can get up to. On one side, it's, there's signs that say, beware of falling rocks. On the left side, certain death. We fall off the mountain. So we're terrified as we're driving, and I can't make this stuff up. Of course, about 2.30 in the morning, Bree has to go to the bathroom. And we're out in the middle of nowhere. And we finally come to this little town, and it's about 3 o'clock in the morning, and we're driving in, and I see there's a big group of people kind of standing out in this tiny town. What's the bar? When it was... Early in the morning, people have been drinking all night long, and it's the bar. So I'm not going to go to that bathroom. I'm not that crazy. So we turn, and we go to this place called the Victorian Inn. Can't make this up. We come to the Victorian Inn. We go in the lobby, me and Bree, and the Victorian Inn means there's about 1,000 Victorian dolls right when you walk in. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. Eyes kind of blinking at you, and you're like, oh, my goodness. And, of course, the, the nice little old lady behind the counter, I said, ma'am, do you have a bathroom we can use? And she said, nope. And I was like, you don't have a bathroom? She said, no. But there is one, four point, there's a rest area, 4.2 miles down the road, taking approximately 5 minutes and 18 seconds to get there. I'm like, okay, that's a little too specific for me. She's calling the dudes at the bar, and they're going to meet us at the rest stop, and you ain't going to see mom and daddy no more on the way. We're, I'm like telling my wife, I'm saying, we got a little cell phone service just for a second. Pin drop where we are so the kids know where to start looking. So we're on our way. We pull up to the rest stop, two vehicles, a car that has blankets all around the windows so you can't see if anybody's in it and a cargo van yeah yeah y'all let's say the same thing I was like I was like uh -uh. a cargo van that's not it though two 50 gallon ice chests sitting on top opened so I'm like okay this is where it ends right here Bree you had to go to the bathroom I'm blaming this on you somehow this is where it all ends and so we, we jump out the car because she's still got to go to the bathroom. So I turned in back into my military mindset. I'm like looking at angles and everything. I'm like, okay, where are people going to come from? So she goes to the bathroom. We jump back in the car and take off. And we made it. And we had been rerouted multiple times on that trip. And we ended up going some crazy places. And I had created this story in my mind about all these things that were going to happen and all the fear that was coming on my life right then because we had been rerouted through this town. And I didn't know what was going on. And and it's just like that sometimes. And the whole time we're being rerouted, I'm saying, this is crazy. This is scary. It's unfamiliar. It's making me fearful. And many of us today that we live in are being rerouted right now. We're being rerouted. We're being rerouted through this COVID disease in our nation that's going on. And we're, in our, and we're fearful, fearful and we're scared and we're dealing with stuff. And there's not just a COVID disease. There's a social disease that, that's been there for a long time, but it's been highlighted in a social disease of racism and people and we're being separated and divided. And we're always being rerouted and our minds are changing. I'm here to tell you today, Jesus is relentless in how he reroutes us. Jesus is relentless in the reroute. And the whole time we're being rerouted, Jesus is saying, trust me, trust me. Trust me. Everybody's been saying that. Trust me. You've heard the things. The Bible, in the, the Bible says no, uh, fear not 365 times in the Bible. God did that specifically by design for every day. Fear not. Trust me. Trust me. 
See, Jesus was willing to go to a place that no one else was willing to go. And that's how Jesus is in our life. And the Bible says he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And if we want to be like Jesus, we have to be willing to go to the areas that people won't go and have the conversations where we aren't comfortable. Sometimes the reroute takes us through uncomfortable places. We have this connect group on Wednesday nights, and it's called the third option. And we're talking about race and racism in our country. And we're sharing experiences as Christian people sitting in a room, listening to experiences that people have gone through in their lives. And this thing is, this, this study is called the third option because the world wants us to choose sides. But Jesus wants, to see the image, wants us to see the image of God in everybody that we come into contact with. That's the third option. And these conversations where we're sitting in this room, they're not always comfortable. But what's happening is there's growth being had and rerouting is being had in our minds. And we're learning to think a different way. And it's okay to think a different way. We can't just shut down. We have to be willing to sit and listen and learn about people that are different than us. Or we're never going to get to go where God wants us to go as his people. What I want to ask you is this. We need to ask ourselves this on a daily basis. Are our viewpoints, mindsets, political parties, and opinions more important than our Jesus? Are our viewpoints, mindsets, political parties, and opinions more important than our Jesus? See, the church, this room that we're in right now, and the church in general, is supposed to be a place of refuge, a place of safety, Regardless of what you look like or who you voted for in last election, it's supposed to be a place of safety. And there's safety in conversations with people that keep Jesus at the center. We have to keep Jesus at the center. And I'm here to tell you today, Transformation Church is going to be a place of safety. We are supposed to be a model to the world of what reconciliation looks like. You know why? Because Jesus has reconciled us. So we're supposed to be that model of what reconciliation looks like. We need to be a place of restoration. Jesus, my second point is this. Jesus is relentless in restoring us. Let's jump back into the story. Verse 7 and verse 8. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away in the city to buy food. It's funny how it mentions that. I love how in the word it says his disciples had gone away to buy food. You ever have that one friend that always says something dumb when you walk into a conversation with other people? Y'all like, I don't have that one friend. Maybe you're that one friend. I'm just saying. But you always have that one friend. And I think Jesus was like, hey, yeah, y'all go get the food. I'll be good right here. I'm just going to sit down by the well. I'm just going to hang out. Because he knew how important this conversation was going to be. And if we want to truly be like Jesus in every conversation that we have, our conversations need to be focused on restoration, not division or point proving or trying to convince each other whose point is the most valid. Jesus did not get caught up in that stuff. So he's talking to this woman at the well. And I want to give you some more context to the story of this woman at the well. This is crazy. I never saw this until I studied this out. So this woman at the well had grown up hearing this prayed by men 
at the synagogue or at the places where she walked by or the place she worshiped. This is what she heard. This is the, what she heard men praying. Lord, I thank you that I'm not a Gentile, an imbecile, or a woman. But here's this Jesus approaching her where she is at the well to have a conversation with her. So she's got to be kind of mind blown right now. This guy is talking to me and, and, and I'm confused. What's going on? This guy that doesn't look like me, doesn't act like me, is talking to me right now. Another crazy thing, Jesus, y'all heard in the Bible, it talks about rabbi. Y'all know that term they use for Jesus, rabbi? That means teacher. In this time, in this, in this time that Jesus is in, it was illegal for a rabbi to teach a woman. It was illegal. I never saw that before. It's illegal for a rabbi to teach a woman. So think about it. Jesus is crossing barriers. He's crossing boundaries. He is going to where people need him. He's going to where people need them to have these conversations with her because he's all about crossing boundaries. But, y'all, this is not just any woman. The story gets deeper. So I told you to remember when I was reading, when we were reading John 4, it said at noontime, at noontime, this was crazy. No one went and got water at noon. No one did that. Everybody would get water in the morning and in the evening. And they used give the, the time that they got water, that everybody would go get water in their villages, as a time like to hang out around the water cooler, right? Everybody would talk like why we do at work, hang around the water cooler. That's where all the decisions are made. Come on. And they're talking around the well. Well, this woman goes by herself at noon because she was an outcast even among the people in her town. She was that lady that would walk up and everybody would kind of do this. Can you believe her? She's out of How many times has she been with different men? So she didn't even want to deal with that. So she comes at noontime and here she is coming to the well at noon, an outcast among outcasts. Filling her bucket at noon. She had grown tired of the looks, the head shakes, the side glances. She was just tired. But there's no judgment from Jesus. Jesus didn't say, hey, what are you doing here at noon? That don't make any sense. He didn't say that. He sits down and he says, give me a drink. Give me a drink. A Jewish man asking for a drink. Now remember how she'd been used to being treated by men and by, and by Jewish men especially. You see, because she was, in her mind, she was the wrong race, wrong gender, and she was in a wrong relationship. But Jesus met her where she was at just the right time. Aren't y'all thankful that God meets us where we at at just the right time? God meets us where we're at. And the conversation, this conversation that Jesus had, has with her is uncomfortable. So we're going to get into the conversation. And this is three tricks that she tries to do in this conversation. And these three tricks are still being done right now in 2020. She tries three different tricks on him. So I'm going to show you these three, three tricks that she tries. She tries to divert Jesus' attention a little bit. So in verse 9, it says, The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? She tried to draw him into a racial conversation. You don't look like me. I don't look like you. Why are we talking? That's what she did. First trick. Verse 12. And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and animals enjoyed? She tried to draw him into a conversation about reason. Well, if this, then that. And if you're not Jacob and you're this guy, she tries to draw him into a conversation about reason. So race, reason, and then the one that gets us all the time. Sir, the woman said, this is verse 19, you must be a prophet. So tell me 
Why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the place of worship while we Samaritans claim it's here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? She tried to draw him into a conversation about religion. See, our God is not a God of religion. Our God is a God of relationship. And she tries to draw him into this conversation about religion. And this is the same trick that's going on right now in 2020. The enemy sits back and he says, maybe I can get them focusing on what they look like and how they look different. Maybe I can build confusion. I'm going to get some of y'all right here around the, the statement, Black Lives Matter. Maybe I'm going to, and I can, and I can say, hey, this organization that, that uses the tagline Black Lives Matter, they're an organization that does support Christian principles, and I can get them focused on that instead of just the three words, Black Lives Matter. That's it. And to the world, we look irrelevant because they go, they're so busy fighting about three words that they can't even do anything with this Jesus they talk about. Or maybe... I can get them focusing on their own ideas, their political beliefs, their conspiracy theories. Would Jesus be a Republican or a Democrat? Would Jesus have closed small business? What are Jesus' thoughts on quarantine? Would Jesus have worn a mask? Probably. <laughs> Why? Because Jesus met people where they were, and Jesus was not about barriers. So if it took wearing a mask to reach people, that's what Jesus would do. Or maybe I can get them arguing about religion. Which denomination is the most right? Do you have to get baptized if you go to this church? What about speaking in tongues? That's, that's weird. What about music and drums? Is that even biblical? What about, what, about, um, um, what about people that talk back in church to the pastor? My church didn't do that. When I was growing up, it was real quiet, so that can't be right. Maybe he can get us arguing about religion, and then we argue about religion, and we look irrelevant. Because we're fighting each other. So I'm going to give you a, a couple verses right now that has helped me greatly, especially over this last few months of my life. Titus 3, 9 through 11 says, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies. That's race. Now, I'm not saying that we don't fight systemic racism that's going on right now in our country. I'm saying we fight. We lock arms with our brothers and sisters. We fight. But it says don't get so caught up that we get blinded to everything else. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies. That's race. And arguments. That's reason. And quarrels about the law, that's religion. Because these are unprofitable and useless. Hold on, I'm going to help you out right here. Verse 10, warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. That's God right there in the scripture saying, block them on Facebook. Block them on Instagram. God giving you permission. Block them. But what blows my mind about social media right now is some of us, some of us spend hours typing responses to ignorant statements when we have not cracked our Bible in three weeks or said a prayer more than Jesus blessed this meal in a month. Because we're too busy putting on our Superman, social media Superman capes, trying to save the world one post at a time. Come on, y'all. We got to be Jesus in this time. So this woman is going back and forth with him, and Jesus says, focus. That's what Jesus says. He says, focus. Don't look at these other things. Focus on me. Focus what I'm doing in your life. Focus on what I'm telling you. Focus on my plan. Focus on the rerouting I'm routing you through right now. Focus on your destiny. Focus on me restoring you. That's what Jesus is telling her. He's telling her to focus because he's pointing her back to the two greatest commandments. They, ask, they try to trap Jesus one time. 
And they said, and the, and the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, what's the greatest commandment? Because they're always trying to trap him. And Jesus said, he broke all the commandments down into two. Two. And it's, just, and it's still for us today. Two commandments. Matthew 22, 37, 39. Jesus replied, when he's replying to these Pharisees, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, God transforms us vertically first to him and then horizontally to people second. Transforms us vertically and then horizontally. God is telling us to step out of our comfort zones. Step out of our comfort zones. Focus on him and focus on other people. But let's get back to the story. Verse 16. Jesus said, go get your husband. Why would he do that? That didn't even make sense to kind of the conversation that we're having. So Jesus, Jesus says, go get your husband. And she says, I don't, ha- I don't have a husband. I've had-. And he goes, yeah, you've had five husbands. Why did he do that? What was he trying to do right then? He wanted her to see this. Let me, let me first give you a little more context to the story. She had five husbands. And the guy she was living with wasn't even her husband. So let me tell you how easy it was to divorce people in those days. Literally, as a man, you would have to walk out into the center of town and say, I divorce her. Maybe she didn't, you didn't like how she looked after you took the veil off. You didn't like how her breast smelled. You didn't like how she cooked. It was that easy. It was that easy. We missed this in the story until we studied out. It's crazy. And she had been divorced five times. Five men had rejected her. And she had put her hope in relationship. And then the last one was kind of crazy because she just lived with him. And I was thinking about, like, why, you know, it, you hear other stories in the Bible, like when, you're, when, when they bring this one woman out and they try to stone her in the street because she's living with a guy, why didn't they stone this woman? Because she was barren. She couldn't have any children. She was worthless in society. So five husbands living with a guy. She had kept running back to relationships, running back for fulfillment, running back to try to, to try to get acceptance from people, running back. And Jesus wanted to show her what she had kept running back to so, she could show, so he could show her to run to him because he wants to restore us. And I'm asking you, what do you keep running back to? What do you keep running back to? Some of us keep running back to drugs or alcohol, opioids, or bitterness, or anger. See, it's not even that deep. It's it's addictions. It's other things. You keep running back to your anger. You keep running back to your bitterness. You keep running back to your hate because that's the comfortable thing you've always ran back to. And the Samaritan woman had been running back and forth to relationships, and they kept getting rejected, but Jesus said, I'm here to restore you. And Jesus is saying that to us today. He's here to restore us, because my last point is this. Jesus is relentless in releasing us. So Jesus is relentless in rerouting us and rerouting the way we think as we focus us toward him. Jesus is relentless in restoring us back to him. And Jesus is relentless in releasing us. Jesus wants to give us the power to release what we're holding on to. Three R's that I really like. I know this sermon's full of R's. Here's three more for you. So release the things you're holding on to. Refocus on Jesus. And then you can go and reflect the love of God to others. So release, refocus, and reflect. 
And some of us have been restored, but we haven't released the things that are holding us back. Some of us have been restored, but we're holding on to the anger and the bitterness and the pain that have been inside of us for so long, the hurt and the heartache. And God has been rerouting us, but we're fighting the reroute because we can't release what's controlling us to God. And I believe Jesus is here today to tell somebody that he's been rerouting you and it's time to restore you. And he's going to give you the strength to release what you've been holding on to. So here's this woman in Samaria. Jesus has rerouted her when he went through Samaria. He rerouted himself so he could, he, he could reroute her. Then he rerouted this woman's life. And he restored her. And this is what she does next. Key point, key verse, verse 28. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village to tell everybody. She put down her water pot. She put down her old addictive patterns. She releases it and says, I am through with this. And then she goes to tell the world about Jesus. That's the gospel in a nutshell right there. God changes your life. God meets you where you are. He reroutes you. He restores you. He releases you. You go tell other people. That's it. That's the gospel. I could have said that and walked out of here today. That's the gospel. That's how easy it is. God changes your life. And you spend the rest of your life telling people how he's changed you. That's it. That's the only reason I'm here today. So if you would stand with me right now. Some of you need to put down some stuff today, and we're going to pray for that. You heard Chris a couple weeks ago say, drop the bag and leave it. Some of you need to do that mentally before you leave today. You need to drop what's holding you back. You need to throw it down, and you need to release it to God, and you need to walk out of here a new person. So we're going to pray for that first. So all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Lord God, we pray right now that you would help us to release what's been holding us back. You would help us to release the things you want us to release so we can walk in full commitment to you. And we can go out and share what you've done in our lives and share how you've changed us and share how you've restored us, Father. We need to let go of those things today. I'm praying, Lord God, not just for everybody in this room, but for myself to let go of the stuff that's holding me back, Father. Help us to drop it right now and to leave it here. Then I'm also going to ask you, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Some of you need that living water that Jesus talked about with the Samaritan woman. That living water, that eternal life. And some of you have never made that commitment. And you won a battle today by even walking in here because everything in hell tried to hold you back from walking in here. But you knew you had to walk in here for this moment right now. And you can hear God telling you, I brought you here today for this moment. So I'm going to give you an opportunity at, when I count to three. And if, and if that's you, I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray with you and agree with you about this biggest decision you ever make in your life. You're here today for that. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. We're not going to embarrass you in any way. But on the count of three, raise your hand if that's you that wants that living water, that eternal life today. One, two, three. Come on. Thank you. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray right now. If, if that was you that raised your hand, just at your seat, under your breath. You can say it under your breath. Just, Heavenly Father, your word says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God is raising from the dead, we will be saved. 
And right now, we make that commitment to you, and our lives will never be the same. We thank you for bringing us here today, for changing our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. Y'all give God a shout of praise for getting us here today. New people coming into the kingdom. Look, if you made that decision, you made that most important decision you'll ever make, we have a fresh start area in the back of our room. Go back there. We have a book we want to put in your hand that's going to help you walk this out. Also, our prayer team is back there. If you need prayer for anything, please go back there. Got guests in the house today. Y'all give our guests a hand for coming out today. Come on. Come on. Got one of my brothers, one of my military brothers and his wife in the house today. I love y'all. Hey, uh, also, we are not a church that passes buckets. We're, we're a give-as-you-go church. And we have three different ways for you to give. You can give online, you can text your gift, or you can put your gift in the generosity box before you walk out today. Look, serve day was because of the generosity of Amazing Church. We love y'all. Go out, be the hands and feet of Jesus today. We'll see y'all next week.